bugger. Okay, we're good. Cool. <laughs> we're rolling. Alright, everyone. Welcome back to Filmcraft. We've got a, a touring version of the podcast set up today, so we're recording on different audio stuff. Latif got some kind of pro microphone. I don't know, because I'm not there. No, and I'm recording it's on just something a, else. It's just a little podcast mic. But is it a professional podcast mic? I guess. I mean, I don't know what constitutes professional podcasting. We'll look into it. We'll do a follow-up on this. So yeah, lots of exciting things happening in the world of filmcraft and our movies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this on a previous episode, but I'm headed to Asia. I'm actually headed there in like 12 hours, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And then today we signed a distribution deal, which is pretty sweet. For the film. So we'll have... Yeah, for what we don't say. So we'll have some episodes coming on that with details because that's a whole hairy world, man. Like, it's not, not some. It's not my favorite part of filmmaking, if I'm to be honest. But at least I think the audience will find it really interesting. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is if you go back to when we started talking about this film, you can actually track back to us just talking about the idea and writing, and then now. Mm-hmm into actual distribution you can like span the whole process of start to finish for a feature film yeah yeah i think like this is something that i think it's the whole reason we created filmcraft too it's something that we would have loved to have had when we were starting out like if i could find this podcast before we made what we don't say or even party stories i would have been stoked man i'd probably listen for like two episodes and be like these guys are idiots (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't argue with that (laughs) same <laughs> uh, yeah lots of interesting stuff coming down the pipeline nothing we're going to talk about on this episode but this episode we're going to talk a little bit about budgeting and when to leave money on the back end and what to leave it for because mm-hmm. i don't think that's something we've really talked about in that way before like we've talked about post-production and whatnot but in terms of budgeting just for post right i think this is a first i mean when you make a project i think people put like 90 percent of their budget into actual production and then they post Mm -hmm. to kind of just try to wing it through and see what they can scramble together and i do feel somewhat hypocritical talking about it in this sense just because i know when we do when we did what we don't say or most of the films that you and i do we don't a lot as much to the back end as we probably should but that's because like the movies we do together you and i cover so much of the filmmaking process and like you're a killer editor and the movies that we do you know we split 50 50 and whatnot so it's not like we're charging each other for this but i think if someone's out there and they're just you know they're only a writer or a director and they don't have anyone that's going to be able to produce on the back end then it's something you should really really keep in mind when you're making your movie yeah like un- unless you're doing a lot of that work yourself on the film you're probably going to have to outsource the work and hire some contractors to finish the actual technical parts of the filmmaking process for you so I I think that's something people don't think about when they go into making a project. What would you say your percentages for a project should be? And like you could say, you could break it down into pre-production, production, production, post distribution, break down however you want but what would you say your percentages to a lot to different stages of the film should be? It depends on your budget. I say if you're making a short film for example I would probably put 
40% into post and then 60% into actual production costs. Mm-hmm. Because if if you're going to, you know, make I don't know, $5,000 short, 3 grand goes up front to renting some crew and equipment and catering and all that stuff and when you do post you're gonna have to hire an editor you're gonna go through um, color correction you're gonna do post sound and you know for some of these positions you can get a single person to do each of them so get one editor one sound person and a colorist and and get through it you know maybe you pay each of them 600 bucks or something for like a 10 minute short who knows uh, and and that that kind of covers it but then you also have um when you're done the film film festival expenses sending it sending it to like places that require you to send a, a dcp and a hard drive you're gonna have to pay for a lot of extra little things and you need to include those in the budget now otherwise you'll be making your film and by the time it's done you'll be like out of money and then you'll have to like work for like three months and then miss a bunch of deadlines or something or, or miss some opportunities with the film that you would have been prepared for if you actually saved money for that. Yeah, I totally agree. One of the things that I, it actually really bums me out to see is when people shoot a movie and they don't plan for this and then you see those um, crowdfunding campaigns, Kickstarter or whatnot. To finish it. That's strictly for post-production. Right. I'm like, maybe just because I'm more on the lines of call it practicality but if it came to a point where i had like fifty thousand dollars for a budget i would never say all right we got 50 grand you know fuck it let's spend all 50 grand on production we'll raise more money on the back end and i've heard people say that before maybe it'll work out i'm sure sometimes it does but that makes me really uneasy (laughs) i don't think it's your best course of action by any means i think it's a very rookie mistake because we we think about production as this giant like moving circus and we're like we need to feed this machine to keep it going but then once you're once you're done all that you've got all this raw untouched footage that needs a lot of processing to get to the final point mm-hmm. and there's going to be a lot of time um spent in doing that and what a lot of people fail to see is like you know production is this mad rush we all like come together and like within a few weeks we we mash some some idea of our film together but then post-production is where it all comes together and post-production usually takes four to five times longer than the shoot so we're spending oh at least you know several weeks to a few months on on working on this project and that time you're gonna have to pay people to actually sit down and work on your project um and collaborate with you and if you can't pay them for that time then you, you know you're going to be spending maybe another extra five months trying to like scramble everything together and i've seen this firsthand with a lot of projects and a lot of people like just kind of stagnant they're like in this weird filmmaking purgatory <laughs> they're like being punished for not preparing um to get go into post properly so you've got to make sure when you're when you're making the film from the start that you you have these conversations with the crew that's going to do these you know these really intense jobs for you yeah yeah i definitely agree 
I'd be curious to see your take on it because you do so much editing. Like I'd say that's where, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's probably where the bulk of your mm-hmm. filmmaking is these days, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, that so yeah, like what what basically with that, I, I get to see firsthand a lot of filmmakers kind of just unsure, which is it, mm-hmm. it's kind of eye opening because I'll sit down and we'll be I'll be either syncing sound or or just like organizing clips and we'll just be having like very base conversations about oh so what do you want this to look like and all this other stuff and then out of nowhere they'll spring a question on me like how do we make it look nice you know like the color and stuff I'm like oh you need a colorist and they're like what the hell's that what's a colorist or can we add like sound effects and stuff it's like well you need a, a, a sound designer or, or someone to do the mix to make the dialogue clean and they're like what do you mean don't you do that it's like no 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 I'm an editor <laughs> I cut your picture together, and I'll, I'll do the best <laughs> best I can to 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 get it to the the final point where we're all happy with it. Then you send it off to these experts who who do that stuff on it, and then their their head starts to spin. Like, what do you mean? Is that more money, more time? It's like, yes, there's a way to shoot something where you actually might not have to do color correction. Like, you could bake it into the camera when you shoot. Then you can like pass that part of the filmmaking process. But, you know, not a lot of people work in that way. It would be very unorthodox. But most people don't know that, and a lot of people want their films to look really nice or, or cinematic or, you know, whatever whatever they're going for. But you've got to make sure that when you when you sit down and and have that conversation with your editor that you, you know what their responsibility is, like you know what they're going to do for you. Because I've had people look at me like, so, like, are you going to put like sounds and stuff in it and I'm like what that's not my job <laughs> you know how much work that is because <laughs> it's a lot of work definitely and I oh it's tons man yeah. it's tons and I'm curious on your take of this my take is well first like where you mentioned they just like think we'll get an editor and then they do everything and I can see why people think that because mm-hmm. everyone I know that isn't in the film industry when I told them like we shot what we don't say like oh, okay cool so that was the we finished what beginning of july last year right. and this was just after we finished so call it first week of july i'm talking to people they're like cool when can i see it i'm like oh probably like next year like next year <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean next year and i'm like yeah it takes a long fucking time on the back end man people just don't know mm-hmm. like it's something if you're not in the film industry you would have no idea and then they they'd ask like well what's the pipeline I'm like, well, you get an editor and then sound and then music and then the color and this, this. And people are like, it's insane how much work goes into this. Mm-hmm. So I can see why people, especially on their first movie, might not know that this is how things go. These are the people you need. But I think the biggest reason for that is in my eyes, and I think in most people's eyes, production is very romantic. Like the idea of you've worked so hard, you've written your script, you've gotten everything together, and when you physically start shooting, the idea of being on set and making this thing happen is really, really romantic to the point where, especially in your first time, it almost blinds you from what you need to do afterwards. Mm -hmm. So if you have, you know, your $4,000, $5,000 to shoot a short, you get to your production, you're like, oh, well, we have $5,000, you spend it, and then you're kind of like, oh, man, I haven't thought what the hell do we do after we shoot it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they start going through these unknown waters where they have no idea how many people are involved, how long it takes, and really how much money they should have reserved for it. So I'm curious, 
from your position as an editor, what's your take on that? Well, yeah, you're you're right about that comment about production is very romantic. You know, we we see like that stupid image of a director holding his fingers up in a square, or he's sitting on that chair, or yeah, or sitting or with the dumb hat, or you know, even yeah, even just like in in big gum boots, like in water and watching the shot and just wind blowing and. And it's all very like fun to look at and <laughs> and have photos taken of you directing, I guess. But then you've, no one has like the the pictures of the editor lurched over his his computer in a dark room like some sort of beast, and that's his like <laughs> for six months. <laughs> and that's like his his prison, and he must and he must like destroy his fingers and and get like arthritis trying to make your picture, um, and the, and that's the, that's the the dark reality that comes afterwards but I think um, I have a friend of mine who made a feature film uh, might have been like over a decade ago and she was talking about when her the feature got into TIFF and when it got into TIFF it was like oh my god this is amazing this is such a such a dream come true for us and then there was so much that had to happen in order for it to even play at TIFF for for the feature, it had to. And this was like a a while ago, so it's not as easy to do mm-hmm. all these things by yourself. So she said to outsource everything, and I think the total of uh, what it costs to have it play at TIFF and then go through distribution. Uh, we'll talk about the distribution thing later on, but she had to pay upfront to get all all the things for her film done in order to distribute it, and also to to play mm-hmm. it at TIFF. And it cost her about fifty thousand. Oh wow! You know, just she had to find and put that money up front just to get it to that point. And you know, say you make like a two hundred thousand dollar or hundred thousand dollar film, you're like, oh, you know, it's probably going to cost a couple grand or something. It's like, no, that's a big chunk of your budget because there's a lot of um, kind of unforeseen costs that come up, like um, you know, closed captioning or having to do like uh multiple like dubbed versions of the film or something for different uh regions or adding subtitles the shit like that that you think is like oh it doesn't sound expensive it, it starts to add up especially for for a long film and depending on your distribution deal so these are again things that i think people don't consider but it's it's really um trial by fire in in some instances which is why i kind of encourage people to just jump into making a short film um you, mm-hmm. you really you really get to learn like what the process is about um for for my short film for example like how i went about it was like it was about 2500 all in all to put it together and i paid all the crew we rented a, uh, equipment we rented like a van paid the actors but um Post production, I spent maybe six hundred bucks in total. Mm-hmm. So most of it went into production. You know, ninety percent of the post work I did myself, and I hired one person. I was gonna say, there's the big thing. Like, if you're a filmmaker who's also an editor and you have Latif skills and you can color and you can basically do everything on the post end, then you don't need to do a lot that much. Mm-hmm. But if you're straight up a director and you don't have a Latif, then you need more money. <laughs> Oh, and I even forgot to mention music. That's another thing that costs money. Mm-hmm. Or you could go to stock music, but we've we've had that conversation before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, and, you know, like, if it's your first time making a short, or even like I did where I jumped straight into making a feature, mm-hmm. odds are it's not going to be amazing. You know, maybe it'll be good, pretty good, kind of good, anywhere in that range, but it's not going to be amazing. And in that, if you're doing that, it's not really the end of the world if you go the stock music route because you're just straight up learning your craft, you mm-hmm. know? But if you're if you're a couple films in or you're starting to get to a point where you're a little bit more serious, you think you might have a shot at actually distributing it, then right. that's where you need to start allotting more money for these kinds of things. When you've got your budget locked down for whatever project you're planning to make, whether it be like a first-time short film or your first feature take your budget and break it down percentage-wise and look at where everything is going and just make sure you're not like throwing a huge chunk of it into production. It's like, yes, production is expensive, but post can be just as or even more expensive depending on the thing you're making. You know. Oh, yeah, especially if it's a big sci-fi thing with tons of special effects. Yeah, if, you know, if there's visual effects and a lot yeah, of... Yeah, totally, but I mean, like, I feel like post... And, like, this is just features. We're going to talk strictly features for a second. Mm-hmm. I can never see a circumstance unless your entire movie is done in one take, which there was a movie done in one take that we played in a couple festivals with called Last Call. Right. Check that out. This would be a good example of that. But unless your entire movie is done in one take, and I mean a true one take, not stitching it together, then I can never see a circumstance where your time in production would be longer than your time in post. Like, ever. Our movie we shot for eight days, and what did we spend in post? Like, nine months? Hmm. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. And, like, even then, I'd say that kind of turnaround is pretty damn quick, you know? Most movies, like Star Wars's and Marvel's, they'll spend a year, year and a half in post. And, you know, still, they get to shoot for three months, three, four months, so they shoot a lot longer than eight days, but still, they spend a year, maybe over a year in post, just perfecting the thing. Oh, and that's working, like, every day. That's a full-time job. When, when oh, we yeah, were doing definitely. what we don't say, that nine months is, like, we'd meet maybe once or twice a week, because we still had other things to take care of. <laughs> <laughs> so, in reality, if you crunch it in, it, we'd maybe spent, like, actually, I don't know, two months working on it spanned over nine yeah, months totally. of time so you know that's that's one thought experiment I've been doing lately because we're trying to set up this, this next movie right and if we do the budget that's required for it is so much bigger so we'll actually be able to work on it just straight up full time right. and I'm like if Latif and I could make what we don't say you know during production we're full time but during pre-production and post we're largely part time because mm-hmm. you know we're not getting paid for this and we still need to eat food so we don't die right. but if we can do that and you compress that timeline you know it's it's not very long but if we can go do a movie with a budget that we work full time on I'm stoked to see what we can do for that like I am stoked yeah cause, I mean even the what do you call it the uh, short film I just finished over the summer from pre-production to like finishing the film it only took me maybe three months which is super fast because we shot for four days and then I I spent maybe like a month and a half doing all the post-production work and then now it's already out 
for the new festival season in January. So from the time I finished it to to where I'm sitting now, like the film is done, like it is already going out there. And, you know, by next summer, I can already start on another short film or another project I want to do. Whereas like someone might make a short film and, and spend a year like trying to figure out how to get it out there. The longer you take on something, the more money it's going to cost. So like mm-hmm. allotting time to certain parts of it and, and not like blowing all your cash in one direction is going to make a difference. You know, at the same time too, though, um, I think when we're saying like the longer it takes, the more money it's going to cost. That is true. But I will put that with like an asterisk next to it. That's true in a full time sense. But if you're working part time, like with what we don't say, where we had one visual effect shot in the movie, in that circumstance, the more time we could give the VFX artist, mm-hmm. the cheaper it was. Because it's like, I don't need you to put your life on hold for two weeks to finish this full time. You can pick at this, you know, an hour a night for the next three months. And then in that case, you know, where it's kind of just part time, I'm not taking away your living wage from whatever full time job you have. Mm-hmm. Can you do this for less? And most of the time people will be like, yeah, okay, you know, it's just something I'll, I'll do a couple hours here and there and they'll give you a better rate for it. Right. So that's something that you shouldn't overlook either. Yeah, for sure. Like you take time pressure off anyone, anyone working for you in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just watched this. Um, there's this older Noah Baumbach film called While We're Young with Ben Stiller. Have you seen it? No, I never have. That's on Netflix. It's, it's a little goofy, but uh, <laughs> I, I liked it a lot because he's... He's a filmmaker, that's his job, but he's a documentary mm-hmm. filmmaker, and he's been making this this kind of really boring political documentary for about, like, seven years, and we just see him kind of mulling over, um, trying to, like, make it perfect, but it's, like, four hours long mm-hmm. and, like, extremely hard to watch, <laughs> <laughs> and there's just so many, so many moments in it that remind me of just, like my life in general like he's just talking to this editor and the editor's like hey man I, I haven't gotten paid for months is that grant money coming in yet he's like yeah yeah I'm, I'm working on it I'm working on it and he just keeps <laughs> making the guy cut his film together so many people are in situations like that mm-hmm. and I think it's kind of torturous Where... yeah totally and if you just budgeted your money accordingly in the first place you probably wouldn't be there uh, funny side story. Did I ever tell you about the ten-hour movie uh, in North Carolina at that film festival? Like it didn't play there, mm-hmm. but did I tell you the story? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so the the festival director of Full Bloom Film Festival. I got to know her pretty well, and we started talking. Like, what kind of crazy submissions do you get? Like, just stuff that is outlandish, would never make it into the festival, that kind of thing. She's like, this year, I had a guy message me. I think he was from like Europe somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, so um, I have a movie. It's 10 hours long. Should I even bother submitting it? Like, would you watch it? And she's like, no, don't even send it. There's no way I'm ever watching or programming that. And I was like, I could see how that would come off as like kind of a, like, not rude, but like, you know, you're shooting them down. But I think he needs to hear that because no movie should ever be 10 hours So she tells him this. She's like, yeah, look, man, you know, we're not going to watch it. We wouldn't have room to program it even if we did. You know, thanks for the email. And he's like, okay, I also have an hour and a half version of that same movie. Should I send that? And I'm like, how the fuck do you have a 10-hour version and a one and a half hour version? (laughs) 
Like, I've heard of director's cuts where there's 20 extra minutes in it, but that is next level, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see what was in those other nine and a half. Or eight and a half hours. All right. <laughs> well, we have this 75-minute scene of him taking a bath where nothing happens. It happens in real time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, those, those, um, those things where people are like, are, are there any things you shouldn't do? And usually I, I'll, I'll never like fully agree because I think an artist should be able to do whatever they want. But part of me is like, yeah. I don't think you should make a 10-hour film. No, you shouldn't. Honestly, like at that point, if you have that much to really say, like there's nothing you cut, can cut out. This is a story that will take 10 hours to tell. You've got a miniseries. And like, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But 10-hour movies should not exist. Yeah, I think no one's going to actually go through that in one sitting. So you're doing yourself a, no. a disservice. Man, I haven't even seen The Irishman, because every time I go to watch it, my mouse hovers over it, and I'm like, three and a half hours is a long time. <laughs> True. I, I just watched Casino last night, which is two hours and 58 minutes. Yeah, even that's pretty long. Oh, yeah, but it's so good. that Was it great? Oh, yeah, it was amazing. Great. But yeah, since I'm getting ready for Asia, I do have a couple things to do. Latif and I are going to get back on this call and record some more tonight. So we're going to wrap this episode up just for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'll give my final thought. Um, basically, to me, the general synopsis of this entire episode is don't spend all your money on production, even if you're tempted to, unless you have the resources that come free to you through one way or another on the back end where you don't need to spend that much money on editing or distribution or whatever it is. Generally... I think what Latif said of make it 60% to production, 40% to backing is pretty good. Um, it's what I largely did with what we don't say. And even then, I had to spend a little bit of money uh, for film festivals and distribution and whatnot. And it's really hard when you're making a movie for $7,000. I'll be the first person to tell you that. But it's going to be even harder if you spend... 100% of your $7,000 on production and then you have nothing to finish it and at that point you're kind of betraying yourself and everyone that you brought on to work with you on this entire production you don't want that to happen mm -hmm. what's your wrap up uh, I mean that, that note about like 60 goes into production 40 into post take that with a grain of salt because I when I'm talking about that I mean more for like smaller somewhat manageable projects Mm -hmm. Because in, in those situations, it will take more manpower to make the thing than it will to cut it together. Because you'll be, you know, scrounging whatever you have to to edit that film. But for, you know, a, a low-budget feature, say like a hundred to $200,000, most contractors will start to, like, dole out percentages of what they think they deserve from the budget. You know, an editor might be like, you know, I need five to fifteen percent of the budget if you want me to cut this, and that could be twenty-five to thirty, forty thousand um, dollars. So mm -hmm. you know, you've got to start really looking at like where your your money's going when it gets to bigger projects. But with smaller projects, you've got a little more flexibility. But don't don't jump the gun and throw everything into production. Yeah. yeah. I agree. All right. Well, until next time, I'd like to thank the Supreme Leader for allowing us to do this podcast. Thank you. I'm Matt Ralston. I'm Latif. And this has been Filmcraft. All right. Bye.
Take care. See you next week. Bye. Take care.